1: Are you a woman who's ready to excel in her career and her life? Are you ready to be a professional saleswoman by using your inherent qualities? Are you a woman who wants to be better prepared for a leadership position? Then you're in the right place, Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. It's about women in business, work-life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communications. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Find out more at www.sellinginaskirt.com. Now, your host, Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio.
2: You know, when I started my business, I was simply going to be a trainer. A trainer in sales, to be exact. I had so much fun and received so many great testimonials from people that I had trained throughout my sales career that I wanted to continue in that path and then just add a little gender communication piece. That would be my niche. I had it all worked out. Then I thought about the dip in the economy and figured I probably needed to make some adjustments. Okay, so maybe I wouldn't be a trainer. Maybe I'd be a consultant or a professional networker. No, wait, an author. No, how about a speaker? Well, the more I tried to pursue my passion, the more my head was spinning. I wasn't focused because everything sounded great, and yet nothing sounded great. I was already out there telling people about my new venture, and everyone thought I was already wildly successful. I never shared my why. I was sharing my what. Now, being in business for yourself means you become a one-person marketing machine. Sure, you'll have other people and systems to market your products or your services, but when it comes right down to it, if you don't promote yourself, who will? And if you don't share your why, you won't mean anything to anyone. Now, thanks to the wonders of the internet, we literally have the whole world at our fingertips. You can connect with clients and prospects both locally and globally and sell anything online to anyone, anywhere. And if you're really good at marketing yourself, you can also attract fans from around the world. Now, when you're first getting your business off the ground, however, odds are most of your sales will happen closer to home. Meeting prospects face-to-face is the most effective way to establish a relationship and ultimately close a sale. Now, you'll be able to share your why the same way you want them to share theirs. Now, when people think of you, they should immediately think of your business. You and your product or your service should be one and the same in the mind of anyone you've met as an entrepreneur. To accomplish this, consider how you can embody your brand. How can you walk the walk and talk the talk? Now, as an example, my company is selling in a skirt. Yes, what you'll always find me wearing. Yep, a skirt. Spring, summer, fall, or winter, regardless of the weather or the occasion, if I'm attending a networking event, business conference, or even a private party, I make a point of wearing a skirt to keep my brand consistent. Sometimes other people show up just to see what I'm wearing. Now, of course, that's a great way to remember my brand, but that wasn't my why. When I started letting people know what my why was, and when I realized it, everything started to fall into place. So when I was in the financial arena, I was a single mom, and I had no idea what I was doing, and we didn't have any training. I was told to get in, get out, and get the check. That totally wasn't my style, so every morning was a chore to go onto the road and make a difference, until I asked myself, what was it I was trying to accomplish, and why? The truth is, my one and only job was to protect my family. I was the one my children counted on, and I had to create income to take care of them. That's when I got one of my many aha moments. You see, if I could protect my family, why couldn't I protect yours? And the family that was around here, and the family that was around there, and the family an hour away, or the one next door. It was a change in my mindset that turned things around. My why was to protect and support, and that's exactly what I did. Selling my why made it so much easier to provide my clients with my what. Instead of letting my clients know that my policy would cover this and that and that we're A-rated, I started with letting them know that I was there to cover what was most important to them, their family. That was their why as well and that would lead into what and how it would happen. A much different approach and one that was the result of asking questions and listening to their why and how that was in sync with mine as well. So think about it. Apple doesn't sell computers. We've all heard that, and yet so many of us have an Apple product. The thing about Apple is that when you're purchasing your iPhone, your iPad, your iMac computer, or any of the other offerings, you're not actually purchasing a product. You're purchasing a set of beliefs. You're buying a way of thinking. The geniuses at Apple don't sell hardware. They sell a challenge to the status quo. They take complicated software and make it pretty and so intuitive that anyone at almost any age can use it with ease and comfort and enjoyment. They challenge their customers to engage in an experience at the cross-section of art, utility, and beauty. Limitless exploration at the click of a button or the touch of a finger. That's what you're really buying when you buy an Apple product. While everyone else starts by selling what they do, Apple starts by selling why they do it. Think about the people that wait online to be the first to get their I something. It's definitely not about what and how, and I bet you start to think differently about your product or your service. Start with the why. What about Southwest Airlines? They sell their why, customer service, and oh, by the way, they fly airplanes. So take a few minutes and determine, in a sentence, your why. Now, integrate your why into every facet of your business. If you or your team are selling a product because you genuinely believe in it, you'll be a better salesperson. If your marketing reflects your fundamental reason for getting up in the morning, your messaging will be that much stronger. Once you know your why, let everything else fall into place. Simon Sinek reminds us, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. We're going to take a break and thank our sponsor, Walking on the Glass Floor. When we come back, you're going to hear from my guest who will share her thoughts about understanding your why's and how important it is to your business. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio, and we'll be right back.
1: What happens after shattering the glass ceiling? You're now walking on the glass floor. Walking on the Glass Floor, seven essential qualities for women who lead is a timely and indispensable business guide for all women. Whether you're moving out of a dorm room or moving into an executive suite, Introducing readers to the seven keys to success in business and life, Judy Hoberman brings her fresh voice, sales savvy and thoughtful approach to each of the essential and most powerful leadership qualities. Written in her trademark no nonsense glass half full prose, Judy's blueprint for business teaches all women how to cultivate and strengthen key skills that will serve them in both business and life uncover amazing qualities they already possess that will help them lead and succeed and harness universal leadership qualities to continue reaching their full potential. By providing authentic real life case studies and inspiring quotes throughout, Judy fills each page with the timely advice women need right now. Walking on the glass floor is like having Judy Hoberman sitting right next to you as your business mentor, personal life coach and best friend all at the same time. You can order your own copy of the book at walkingontheglassfloor.com.
2: Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. Now it's time for my very special guest, Liz Fairclough. Liz grew up in a small town right outside of Flemington, New Jersey. She graduated from Rowan University with a degree in psychology and went on to get her master's degree in social work from the University of Pennsylvania. And while attending there, she took some classes at the Wharton School of Business and her interest in entrepreneurship and investing was born. She began her investing career, along with her then fiancé with the purchase of a duplex in a town outside of Philadelphia with a loan from her father. After selling this duplex and moving to New Jersey, she co-founded the DeRosa Group in 2005 with her husband, Matt. The group is based in Trenton, New Jersey, is an owner of commercial and residential property with a mission to transform lives through real estate. The company controls close to 700 units of residential and commercial assets throughout the East Coast. And currently, Liz assists with both the strategic vision of the company and runs Rosa's marketing and communications. Liz is very passionate about her work with the Real Estate Invest Her community. Together with her partner, Andressa, they have launched the Real Estate Invest Her show, a podcast providing straight talk along with inspiration for existing and aspiring women investors to live both balanced and financially free lives. They're dedicated to creating empowering online and in-person communities where women have a non-intimidating environment to ask questions and receive the support they need to achieve their real estate and financial freedom goals on their own terms. Liz has been interviewed for many articles and top-rated podcasts, including being a two-time guest on the top-rated Bigger Pocket Podcast. So welcome to the show, Liz. I am so excited to have you here.
3: Thank you, Judy. So wonderful to be here. Love it. Love being here and appreciate your time.
2: Absolutely. So, Liz, let's talk about the discussion of the day. Your why. What does that mean to you?
3: I love that question. Over the years, we interviewed you, Judy, on our show. I forget what number was. One of my favorites. And you spoke so much about the importance of why. And I preach the same. I think early on, you get started in things, investing, business, entrepreneurship, selling, and you're just doing it. But then I love what you, your phrase of, you know, you, you can't go down the what path if you don't know the why. And or, I don't know if you said it exactly like that, but you know, the essence of the power of why. So for me, I've always asked myself the question, especially when I get involved with something new or something different or just what I'm doing, I try to get emotionally connected to the why and also emotionally connected to the answer, I should say. So for me, I'm very passionate about helping people and inspiring people, though always have been. My path has been different. You know, we, I worked as a consultant for many years and then we were investing on the side, we were investing full-time and now I'm, you know, full-time in entrepreneurship. You know, I'm not working for anyone right now except myself, which some days, you know,
0: is a good mm-hmm. thing and some
3: days it's, you know, it's not as glamorous as it looks. But regardless, the, the why keeps me fueled, keeps me going. I mean, my why for investing is to leave a legacy for my family and to live my lifestyle on my terms. It's pretty simple. That's evolved over the years too. So that's the other thing. I think people's whys change, their, their family dynamics change, their life goals change. But I think reconnecting with it on a yearly basis is really critical. And then I, I actually take it one step further. I then look at all my goals that I've set and, and ask that question. Why do I want to achieve that? Mm-hmm. Because I have often been you know, the person who's just got these big lofty goals you know, very achievement oriented, and then you you actually achieve it. And you're, why did I even want that? You know, and I think that's really important in this day and age. And, and I think it's really critical to keep, you know, stay peaceful and stay connected. So a big why, and then, you know, really breaking it down into like kind of small whys is really, really powerful and, and important.
2: Yeah, and I love what you said that your why can change because it does change. And it changes, you know, when your priorities change, when your lifestyle changes, whatever that is. You know, there's an interesting thing, though. I was reading a book, and it's all about asking questions. And since I have always been dubbed the question queen, anything that has questions in the title, of course, is going to be like right in my wheelhouse. And so one of the things they were telling you is the questions not to ask, and then the questions to ask, and so on and so forth. They had a very big power question at the very end. And so I had met with a few different CEOs in one week, none of them together, all separate. And one of the questions that they tell you to ask is, this question. And when I asked it, you could see the the look on the CEO's face because it really was about their why. And nobody really asks them about their why. And so I said, what do you still want to accomplish? And the look that I got was, holy cow, like really somebody wants to know what I want and why I want it. And for the next 10 to 15 minutes, each time they shared with me their innermost whys. And they said that this wasn't their why when they first started, but it turned into this. And it was amazing information that I heard. And sometimes when you hear their why, everything else just falls into place.
3: Mm, that's very powerful. Yeah. I love that. What do you still want to accomplish? That's a really great Yeah, way to, yeah. Because,
2: because it just, it's like, okay, so you're very successful. Is there anything else you still want to do? So mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so tell us about real estate investing and real estate invest
3: per community. Sure. I've been investing with my husband. We started in our 20s, not knowing anything, you know, taking courses and all that good stuff that, you know, you get the people that come on the weekends and tell you that they're going to tell you the secrets of real estate investing in, in like an hour. Mm, right. <laughs> but we started young. We, we made a lot of mistakes and then we, we slowly grew our portfolio, mostly multifamilies, small multis and now large multifamily properties. My friend, good friend and partner, she was, her and I were very good friends at first. And we had a women's mastermind conference call, Zoom call once a month type of thing where we, we had about five or six women come together and we just support each other in our businesses and things. And her and I were talking about that group and just, we were in the midst of a few projects in Philadelphia. We were flipping a few homes and doing some new construction and we were just talking about it on a, on a I guess, you know, when she was talking about our son and I was talking about my, my I have little ones and just the, the things that women have to deal with that are different than men and men have to deal with what they need to deal with. And, and I don't mean to dismiss that by any means, but women have unique, different, you know, challenges and, and you're just kind of balancing it all, right? You're at the helm of a lot of things personally and professionally, especially women who want to grow their investments. They want to grow their businesses, saleswomen, you know, businesswomen. Her and I were just talking about some of the challenges and just feeling a little overwhelmed. and And, you know, we both were like, there's no place really right now that we can go, you know. Like we would want to, we want to create something that we want to be part of. How about we create a podcast and a community where women can have almost like a really important place and a safe place to go to a you know group of women and ask questions and get support they need because it tends to be very male dominated, especially on the investing side. Not so much the realtor side that tends to be predominantly women. Realtors out there, uh, agents, real estate agents. But from an investing side, it still is more male oriented. You go to a networking group, there's two out of 10 women, you know, and mm-hmm. for every 10 people, there's probably two out of 10. I get along with men. I can connect with men. That's not a problem for me. But I can also get intimidated at times. And a lot of women can. They feel dismissed. They don't feel as heard. Or they feel like you're there with your husband (laughs) and you don't really know anything. That's the other thing that I get a lot of. Don't you love that? (laughs) I know. I'm like, actually, you know, my husband and I built this together. You know, Mm -hmm. he's a little more of the face at times, but you know, we talk about everything. I know a lot of what's going on and I can hold my own. Regardless, you know, we said, why don't we create something where we interview just women in this business? Launching this a few years ago, I had one, I think one or two guys say to me, you're going to run out of women to interview. And I said, I don't think I'm going to have a problem. I really, really don't. And honestly, Judy, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, I have not had a problem interviewing Mm -mm. women in this business. They're just not highlighted. And that's what we wanted to change. So we started with the podcast. And quickly, this became more of a like the power of the community. We've created a Facebook group. We've got 2,000 women in that Facebook group, which really led into doing meetups around the country. So we have now 22 meetups around the country and in Canada where women are getting together once a month, having speakers come in, mostly women, of course, that are coming together in a group format in person to support one another, learn different real estate investing strategies, and also support each other, which is all kind of leading into something a little bit more in-depth, like a membership type of format where we're actually going to be launching this year. Andressa and I didn't start this to start a business, to be honest with you. We started this because we were passionate about supporting women and and selfishly, we wanted to create something that we ourselves wanted to be a part of. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't, this is not for women, it's for us and women, if that makes sense. Because I go to the group and, you know, I needed a a lender. I was really striking out with uh, refinancing a a building we have. And I said, does anybody have a lender and all the small community banks? we're, We're a pretty seasoned company. We don't have a problem usually getting banking. We have banking relationships for whatever reason this property with banks just wasn't jiving. And I said, I need more options. The three banks we work with are kind of just going cold on us. And I said, does anybody have anybody? And and one of the women jumped in. She said, talk to my brother-in-law. If he can't help you, he'll probably know someone. So I called him. Well, six months later, we refinanced the building that I had no one interested in with uh, with the bank that she recommended. So that's the power of community. And that's really what we're up to on that. Yeah, it's just, it's super inspiring to me. And it's neat to be able to support other women, too.
2: Absolutely. So you come from male-dominated. I come from male-dominated. Do you see the percentage of women as real estate investors increasing that where somebody from the outside would say, wow, that's an increase. Wow, there's more women. Because I know with financial, you know, we're still struggling to figure out why the heck we can't get women in leadership positions and stay there. So when the needle moves like 1%, everybody's like jumping up and down for joy, when in reality, men are moving at lightning speed. So, do you see that, or is it still the same old same old?
3: Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because I I feel like in a lot of ways, and I've I've done some research and, and looked at some statistics, and really, when it comes to investing, like a lot of studies out there that show that women actually earn higher returns than men. Mm-hmm. Women are more naturally more conservative. Now, there's some very aggressive women who will just you know, go with it and and not be as cautious. But traditionally saying, and and probably stereotypically, but really generally speaking, women are more cautious, which actually can serve you very well in investing because you're going to be a little more shrewd, you're going to be a little more cautious. You're not going to just jump into things. So that's all working for women. What works against them though, study after study, that, you know, when given an extra thousand dollars, who's more likely to invest the money? And it's like usually, you know, men are more likely to invest the money by what, 35% one of these Studies I was looking at. Same thing with, you know, who's more likely to invest just more money. And that's again, men by 30, 40%. So I really hope that the movement, because I feel like we're we're part of a movement. I don't think we just have like a podcast. That's not how I feel. I feel like I'm I'm part of, and I don't say that it's me, it's a community that's gonna move the needle. I think it has a lot to do with a year ago, there was a huge conference. There's so many real estate investing conferences. Mm-hmm. And the needle has to move with who we see speaking. I think that's part of the problem. Right. You know, you go to these conferences and it's always men on every panel. And again, I can tell you, I, we're about to embark on our 101 episode of, of our show. I can probably recommend a good 10 to, to 12 women for any topic of real estate investing for any of these conferences, quite honestly. And I have people have started to come to me, which is awesome. Say, so, hey, can you recommend some women for this conference? Bigger Pockets had their first conference in the fall. Say, so, hey, we need more women. Who can you recommend in these areas? And I was able to supply them with some women, which I was really, really excited to do. Um, but that has to change because it's perceptions, reality. We go to these meetings, we go to these conferences. Women are going to these meetings. They don't see themselves. They want to see themselves on that stage. They want to see the woman that's not just just doing career work, right? She's got little ones at home. She's trying to take care of X, Y, and Z, manage everything in her world, and, you know, start to create some investment income for herself. So I, I think the perception is what needs to change because there's a lot of women investing and there's a lot of strengths that women bring to the table. Quite honestly, I have, and we were releasing an episode this week and, and we were interviewing this woman who she does direct mail, calling a bunch of sellers to, you know, to potentially either flip the contract or flip the home. And she was basically, and she does it like high volume, uh, her and her partner. And she goes, it's funny. I tend to do the a lot of the outreach of these sellers because they don't hang up on me because I'm a right. woman. That's and, right. and I think, so there's so many advantages. I mean, I literally there's so many advantages, but I think the cautiousness, I think women not not sure what to do. They don't want to like, they got a hundred grand, 200 grand. They don't want to lose it. I mean, not, no one wants to lose money, but you take a cautious person and you want to be careful. So that's, I think, the, the the crux of what we're up to this community because they can get those questions answered. They can feel like, okay, this woman like me investing versus this gentleman who I can't connect with. I, it's, it's, it's it's unrelatable to me.
2: Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about so many of the male financial advisors that are clients of mine, and I'll get phone calls and they'll say, I lost another one. And I they don't even have to explain, but I know exactly what's happening because in their case. They had the husband wife as clients, yep. and the husband is no longer in the picture, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And he's got no relationship with the wife, and she wants somebody that can have a relationship with her, somebody that understands what she's going through. That's and I know for me, a lot of times when I go and talk to a CEO about, you know bringing more women into leadership, you know I often get, "Oh, that's so cute. It's such a cute women's issue." And you know, like you have to be very professional. And so I always have a statistic or 10 that they want to hear about having women in leadership positions and what it does for your bottom line and the ROI and everything else, because that's what they hear. Mm. That's what they hear. And all of a sudden, it's no longer a women's issue. It's a business issue. And so I I think that both of our industries are similar and different, but very similar in what people, the perception is reality. You know, so I think that's that's par for the course. But when you talk about real estate investing, do -hmm. you think that, this is a great career for women.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you this. Here's, here's the common story. There's a lot of, sto- a lot of themes in, in the women that, I, that we've interviewed over the course of the year and just people that I know in the industry. But I have to tell you, one of the most common themes, you got an engineer. We're professional. She's an mm-hmm. accountant. She's an engineer. She's a high-paid employee, let's say. But it just seems to be a lot of engineers, which I think they get attracted to investing because it's more you know data-oriented too. Like I can't tell you how many engineers are investors. It just, you know, just seems, seems like a, a natural fit. But the theme is they're at the top of their game. They're doing well professionally. And then they want to start a family. And you know, again, that conversation has to be had with their partner, obviously. And there are men who stay home. I know families like this, but the majority, it just seems like still more at the helm of... The, I had the conversation with my husband. The woman says, okay, I got this amazing career. I want to be home with my kids. I want flexibility. Then they bridge the conversation with their employer. And some are like, awesome, I'm going to give it to you and we can do it that way. And then there's that group of professional women who have figured it out. There's other women who have said, I want to work for myself or I want to stay home with the kids. And I also want to start a business, start investing, start doing something to bring money into the home. Right. And I think that's the group of women we see a lot of. And that they have an advantage because they're, they were professional. They had, they had a career, right? They're, you know, they're not just like, Woke up one day and said, "Ah, oh, I want to do this." I mean, like, they don't know everything, but they have skills they can bring to the table, especially from like an analytical perspective, or a selling perspective, or a people relationship perspective. Every woman has something to give, you know, this business because it needs a lot of different skills. I find that that's a common thread. Or women's in transition; they mm-hmm. they might be older in their career, not older, but they're 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 at a point they're like, ah, "I've been doing this. I I, I want to." really do it on my terms. I want that flexibility. I don't want to be told where to go, what to do, when. So I now want to do it on my own terms. Maybe their kids just graduated from college, right? They're at that stage of their life that there's a transition. You know, I think that's a really, it's an amazing opportunity to really start to say, okay, that's full-time. Then you got the part-time women who are still professionals. They're still, they do love what they do. But they still want to start to build up an investment portfolio. They don't need to own a 1,000 units. They want to own some investment properties so they can, one, make some additional income. More importantly, leave a legacy for their kids. And they could put that property in their kid's name. And that could be their college, the kid's college fund. So it's not just a full-time thing. It could be women who are working professionally part-time. So I say all that because it depends on what women want and how active they want to be. But they want to stay home with their kids. They're looking for a life change. They're not happy with what they're doing professionally. I think it can be absolutely an opportunity for them to, you know, start doing something on their own terms, and also, you know, start to build something. If they're looking at it more of like supplemental as like a part time thing, which a lot of women do and 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 are very successful at, they have that full time job still, or it's part time, but they also want to build an investment portfolio. So really, there's so many different ways to slice slice it, and and Mm -hmm. you you see the different profiles. But yeah, I think it's a very common thing. I mean, for me personally. I was working in corporate for almost 15 years while my husband and I were building our investment portfolio. And the thing that people don't tell you is that, you know, if you want to do this full time and create that income for yourself, it just doesn't happen overnight, especially with rental properties. And uh, we were flipping, we were doing rentals. So it took time to build. So I said, okay, you keep building it. I'm here. I'm going to be involved, but I'm also going to, you know, keep working full time. And I was a consultant, work with various companies. I was selling and and I I love what I did. Then it was 2013 and I said, we wanna start a family. And we waited, we were we were married in 05. So we were, you know, finally sure, eight years later that we wanted to start a family. And the and the bottom line was that I had to say, okay, I'm either going to do this traveling and consulting, which is all traveling, it was all very, very high, everyone needed me, that kind of role. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I either can keep doing this or I can stay home. And I have waited a long time to stay home, you know, to start a family. So I made that transition, but I knew that I'm like, I want to now help us in our business and growing our investments. And that's what, you know, so that's what I ended up doing. But there's a lot of different ways to, to, to get involved in this business. But I think looking in the mirror, seeing what you want to see for yourself in five years and saying, how do I get there? And then working backwards, I think women make amazing investors and, and it really can give you, if you set it up properly and you do the work, a residual income that, you know, you can have the flexibility and get your kid off the bus.
2: Right. All that kind of right. stuff. Okay. So somebody says, okay, Liz, I want to start real estate investing. What's the first thing that you tell them to do?
3: Hmm. It's a good question. There's a lot of things to do, but I think the most important thing that women can do is to look inside themselves and start to learn about all the different, you know, strategies. But but there are so many different strategies. And you're gonna, you know, you, there's so many places and books to read. But I think going internal is probably the first step. What I mean by that. Is really getting clear on what you're looking to contribute to this, meaning what your skills are. Almost like a self, self self-inventory. You know, I'm a big fan of personality assessments because that's the work I used to do. Knowing yourself, what are your strengths? What do you love to do? Don't you like to do? You know, all those sort of things, really having some self-reflection is really important to do before you start to get knowledgeable about all the different types of real estate investing kind of strategies. Because what will happen. Because if you pick up a book, how to invest in real estate, and you don't do any of that kind of self-exploration and just kind of getting clarity for yourself, the why, the what I'm going to bring to the table, all those sort of important kind of like, I say, kind of going within. If you don't do that work, you're going to get distracted by the next shiny nickel. You're going to mm-hmm. say, oh, if you know this is really in or that's really in or I just heard a podcast about mobile home parks and I, I just heard someone talking about that at a networking event. That's interesting. Like you'll just get distracted so easily. I always say you want to invest in real estate. First thing you need to do is take an inventory. You take an inventory of yourself. You take an inventory of your finances. That's really obviously critical in this business. What kind of financial assets do you have to bring to the table? I know there's so many seminars on no money down and this and that and all that, all those sort of things. But at the end of the day, real estate takes money to, to purchase, whether it's your money or whether it's the the seller that you've negotiated or someone's money. And so I'm a big fan of knowing your financial health of yourself, your family. If you're in incredible debt, you know that's something that you might need to look at right before you go buy an investment property because I'm a big fan of getting financially healthy or at least to a point where you have that financial health because it's not just action, it's mindset. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you are in debt here, you don't want that to happen on a property. Well, I've been there. I've done that. And it, and it's really, it's a lot to get out of. So, so inventory on yourself, inventory on your finances. And the third thing I'd say is inventory on how active or how passive you, you want to be. And what I mean by that is if you're someone that, watches HDTV and you see all these, you know, flipping shows and you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. I want to do that. Well, why do you want to do it? You know, do you want to be the hands-on person that meets the contractors out there? Okay. So then that's going to take a certain skill set. Or do you want to lend money to someone who go who who does that? I'm really a big fan of getting clarity on how active or passive you want to be. If you have a full-time job, you might need to take more of a passive route. Because if you have a full-time job, you got a family, you got all these different things, that's an undertaking if you want to now start flipping full, you know on on the side and and you're going to do everything. It's done. I don't mean to dismiss it, but you have to get clear on how involved are you going to be? Mm-hmm. And and what are you giving up for that? There's so many ways you can invest in real estate and not have to do everything yourself. That's more passive. You may not get as high of returns, right? That there is pros and cons to all of these different strategies. So my point in saying this is how active or how passive. Sometimes people want to invest in real estate because of the results it gives them, not because they really enjoy real estate or really enjoy the smell of lumber. I mean, if you don't enjoy the smell of lumber and, you know, meeting with contractors and dealing with different things, I don't know if you should be an active flipper. That doesn't make sense to me unless there's a partner of yours who's doing that. <laughs> but these are the things you have to think about. Like yeah. literally you have to really think about and start to come up with some kind of an assessment. And, and then you could start learning about the different strategies and, and all those sort of things. But people just jump into that, start listening to podcasts and reading books, and they don't really have a sense of their financial health and their personality strengths, their skills, and also kind of what they're in essence looking to do. Are they looking to be more active or passive? I mean, we work with a lot of passive investors, Judy. You know, They love it. They're like, I don't want to know about your tenants. I don't want to know about the problems. Let me know on a yearly basis, what's going on because that's what we do. And then quarterly, they're getting paid and right. that works for them, right. but not for everyone. So I say that because me, people don't think about that.
2: Right. I think that a lot of times it's just, you know, it's a shiny object. Ooh, That looks good. That looks good. That looks good. Or I want to be just like people on HGTV and, yeah. I, and, and I can do that. So how can our listeners get connected with you? How do they find you? How do they get to be part of the community? What do they do? Where do they sure. find you?
3: Sure. So we have a website, the real estate invest H E R dot com. There's a link on the homepage to to join the Facebook community. If you just put invest her community in Facebook, you would also you'd also find it. But it's the link right there on our website, the meetups. If you go to meetup and you put the real estate investor, there's there's tons of meetups around the country if you're interested in joining one of those more kind of you know in person meetings. And then the podcast is obviously on our website too, the real Awesome.
2: Well, Liz, I want to thank you so much for sharing the mic with me. I'm pretty sure we could have chatted for hours. (laughs) Lots of great information, lots of great insight. And I'm excited that we have been connected and look forward to creating some new adventures together.
3: Yes, Judy, thank you so much for having me on on your show. And I, I appreciate your time.
2: Absolutely. And I want to leave everyone with this quote. What's your why? When you know your why, what you do will become even easier, even on the toughest day. I thank you all for listening to our discussion where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your business, and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. And make sure you stay connected with us. And remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next time, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio.
0: Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.